Welcome to the Dayspring Community Church Podcast. Check out our website at dayspringonline.org. And now, Dr. Matt Friedemann. I want to show you a chart here, uh, a little bit about the order of salvation. Some people say, well, I wasn't saved, now I am, and that's the whole nine yards. And John Wesley put together a, kind of a, no, that's not the whole nine yards. So let me describe to you, you're somewhere on this chart on the, uh, would be your left-hand side here as we look at this. First off, nobody gets saved because you're brilliant. I made the brilliant choice to walk with Jesus. Uh, basically, no. We're all dumb as rocks spiritually. And unless God moves us and empowers us and basically sets us up to make that choice, we can't make it. We need Jesus. We need Jesus to help us make the right choice. Now, we can choose for him or we can choose against him, but by his grace, we call it prevenient grace. It's the grace that goes before. So before anybody here was saved, before anybody here received Jesus, you had God's grace working on you. Boy, we got some good testimonies here today about, yeah, let me tell you how he worked. This is what he did, then this is what he did, then this is what he did, then he slapped me around that way, then he dug me, and basically said, okay, now you're ready to choose, and I chose. But you didn't choose without God's grace preparing you for that choice. Then we make this crisis decision of saying, yes, I want to receive him, and that is your salvation, that is your redemption. Then there comes a time of spiritual growth and even spiritual testing. Then there is this assurance. I am where God wants me to be right now. Then there become more spiritual decisions. And you might even find out that I've got some problems here. Now, I want you to think about this. The disciples start following Jesus in the New Testament. Remember that? Uh, Jesus said, follow me, and they start following him. But as they're following him, they start to realize, man, he's, he's a good bit down the way. We're not there yet. We're not anywhere close. And I think this is what happens. A lot of people want to say, everything I ever needed, I got at my salvation. And I will suggest to you, you've got to walk with Jesus a while to find out how deep of a sin problem you really have. Because when you walk with Jesus a while, pretty soon you see some lack in your life that can only come to fullness with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so you see lack in your life and you say, Lord... Now I want something more. And you enter into a second crisis experience. That is the fullness of the Spirit or entire sanctification or walking fully with the Lord. Now you're thinking, well, I don't think that's even possible. Oh, it is possible. All those who are full of Spirit do walk, can walk with Jesus moment by moment. And you can walk rightly. You can walk by faith. Now, Having said that, then you enter to a time of spiritual abundance like you never knew you could have apart from being full of that spirit. Uh, again, Oswald puts it this way. At salvation, everybody gets the spirit. When you receive Jesus, all of God comes in. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, you get God. But at the point of entire sanctification or the fullness of the spirit, you basically say to the spirit, now I loose you. You can have me all. I had you in me, now I want you to take over every aspect of my life. They say, well, why can't that happen to salvation? I think as far as you know, it can, but as far as that actual taking over is concerned, you've got to walk with the Lord a while to find out, well, I really lack some things. And I can only have them 
with God's allness that can only come through the power of the Spirit. We have called that entire sanctification. Others have called it fullness of the Spirit. There's any number of ways to talk about this, but the fact of the matter is, there seems to be in the Bible and in Christian history and in testimonies even here today of folks that say there are two distinct works in my life. I came to salvation and then I came to the fullness of God's Spirit in my life. Now, the map, we've been charting our life on the map and we seem to see across the way these kinds of things happening to us. For instance, the crisis experience for the Israelites was the Red Sea and their full consecration seemed to be the Jordan River. Now, this is just, these are just metaphors. As you know, they get into the promised land and they follow for a while and then they start having problems. That doesn't have to happen with us. That's why we say nothing's absolute with this map. They're just object lessons. They're just geographical lessons. And you, I feel like today, can chart yourself somewhere on that map. So it's a good question. Where are you? Is prevenient grace still working on you for, for your salvation? I haven't crossed the Red Sea yet. I think the Lord wants me to. And today can be the day of your salvation, the day of your Red Sea experience. But then we say, okay, I'm moving down here. I'm growing. But I don't feel like I'm entirely His yet. God wants to bring you to the point where you ask for that fullness. So let's go here through Joshua 3 very briefly this morning, and talk about five things. Number one is this. God's present, His presence is going to lead you on to your destiny. And your destiny is to live in the promised land. Your promised land. Now, He did it with the Israelites. I believe He wants to do it with you. But it's His presence that's going to make that happen. And by presence, let's look at verse 3. When you see the Ark of the Covenant. Now, remember, object lessons. I love this. The Ark of the Covenant was an object lesson for the Israelites to learn something about the presence of God. We don't have the Ark today. We don't need the Ark today. But it was an object lesson to teach them something that was going to be a temporary dynamic in their life. That is, a temporary dynamic is this box called the Ark. But the lesson was the presence of God. We have the presence today. We don't have the Ark. And that's exactly how God meant for it to be. But that Ark had some special things in it. Let's read. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God with the Levitical priest carrying it, then you shall set out from the place and go after it. The presence of God is leading you deeper in your walk with Him. And He wants to lead you into fullness. Now inside that Ark, there were three things. There was the rod of Moses, which signified the power of God. There was the pot of manna, And that signified the provision of God. And inside that ark were the Ten Commandments, which signified the law of God. And the Lord says, this signifies together my special presence in your midst. And I want you to know that my special presence is leading you deeper into my life. And I want you to go deeper. And everybody here who's received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He wants to take you deeper in that walk. He wants to take you to entirety. To all, 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 all. I remember when Mother Teresa visited America for the last time. He was here and she was here and uh, Sam Brambach was taking her to the car. And she was going to get in the car and whisk away and never to return to America. 
And as she's about ready to get into the car, she whips around and takes Sam Brown back by the hands. And she looks up into his eyes and says, all for Jesus, all for Jesus, all for Jesus, all for Jesus. Let's loose of his hands and gets into the car. I thought to myself, wow, I bet that U.S. senator never had an experience quite like that holy moment. When this little woman looked up into his face, and some people would call her the holiest woman in all the world, and just said to Sam Brownback, if you want to be all that he wants you to be, live all, 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 all for him. And some people say that's not even possible. And what we say is it is definitely possible, but we each have to have this Jordan River experience. Now, someone put it this way. Think in terms of the, the, the mnemonic scat. If you want this experience, and today, after uh, the service, we had a number of people came up the first service and wanted to experience this. But at the end of this sermon today, I'm going to ask those of you who want to have your Jordan River experience to come up and have it. And what I'd like to do is anoint you with oil, and I'd like for you to basically say, I hold nothing back from Jesus. I hold nothing back from the Spirit of Jesus. I want to give Him everything. Now, I've, I've described it over and over again to you how 40 years ago I had this experience. And I, I was in a Volkswagen bug, and I basically said to him, Lord, there's three things. I look across my life, and there's three things I'm just holding back. I don't want to give to you. And that night, I gave him those three things. Women, uh, the discus throw, which I was a pretty good discus thrower at the time, and I didn't want to go to Africa. <laughs> I just said, you want me to go to Africa? I'll go. I said, those women, I'll give them up. And the discus... I only want to take it as far as you want me to take it. I'll give it up right now if you want me to give it up. I gave him those three areas of my life. Now, there are other areas that I felt like I'd already consecrated to him. But that day, I basically said, I give you everything. And that has made all the difference in my life. I mean, I haven't spent 40 years in the wilderness wandering around. I, uh, I feel like I have been in the promised land that he's had for me. So there's basically... Four basic steps to this. SCAT, S-C-A-T. First off is, you thank God for saving you. Lord, I have had the crisis experience of salvation. Now, I want to go deeper with you. You're asking me to go deeper. I want to go deeper. That brings us to C. And that is, I consecrate everything, all of my life to you. All that I think, all that I feel, all that I choose, all my behavior, all that I own, all that I want to own. I, I say, Lord, you can have it all. You have it all. And I'm going to quit saying this is what I want to do and start asking, what does Jesus want me to do? I quit saying, young people, hey, this is the vocation I want to do. I think I'm gifted for it and start saying, Jesus, what is it you want me to do with my life? And you start saying that of everything. Lord, here's my money. Here's my addiction. Here's my, by the way, addiction. That's an interesting one. I was, uh, I was addicted in my life. 
Now, you wouldn't share this addiction. No one does. I think I'm the only one. But I remember I, I, uh, I was a, having this experience with the Lord. He was taking me through the Jordan River. And uh, I heard a Keith Green song. Some of you, <laughs> I think I date myself. Anyway, Keith Green, anybody? Yeah, thanks, thanks. Geezers of the crowd, thank you. Keith Green sang a song. I heard it. And so I thought, you know, I need to go through my house and, and throw out sin. I need to find sin and throw it out. So I went in there, and the first thing I put my eyes on was my addiction. It's been a lifelong addiction. I was raised on this particular thing. I love this particular, to this day, I love this thing. When I get in a hotel room, no one else is around, Woo! I take a ride across the networks. Did you know there are about 60 of them now? I mean, the networks, the shows, TV. I go through my house, I see the TV, and the Lord says, that thing right there, Matt, I want you to take care of it. I grabbed it, and I threw it off a two-story building. Whew, crush. And, uh, and the Lord said to me, Matt, that's not that important a thing, really, but it was important to you, way too important to you. That's why I asked you to deal with it. And pretty much raised my family without having one of those things in my house. Still don't have one. But now I think the Lord's starting to say, okay, Matt, there's some other areas of your life now. You know, you, you open at the computer. Hey, uh, Sheffield this morning had a great uh, Facebook post. I was zipping across Facebook. He says, hey, got a question for you. When you woke up this morning, did you open up the Word of God first or did you open up Facebook first? Whoa. Now, you can say that of anything. Lord, what is it that captivates my imagination? What is it that captivates my heart? For me, I love TV. And the Lord said, take care of it. Consecrate that addiction. Consecrate that time. Consecrate that thing to me. Whoa. It was a great day in my life. A, after you consecrate everything, ask him to make all that stuff holy, which means some things die, some things are sanctified, some things, but he just wants to make your life beautiful. And I remember that word beauty when I think about holy. I, I uh, went to a church one time that was uh, full of uh, people who had problems with addictions, basically drug and alcohol. I remember my friend Jerry came and uh, gave us a testimony one day. I never heard this testimony, but I remember she always sat right there. She was a front row Christian. <laughs> I'm not saying anything special about, yeah, I do want to say thank you, y'all. But anyway, she was right there. She sat right there. And every time I preached from that church, you could always count Jerry being right there. And one day she said, I, I want to give my testimony. She just stood up. And she whipped around, and just from where she was sitting, she, she said, I want to give my testimony today. She says, when I came to this church, uh, I was damaged. She goes, I, I had 18 electric shock treatments. I've been abused sexually and physically by every male in my family. She goes, I, uh, I've been an alcoholic. I've been a drug addict, a bulimia, anorexia. I mean, my life was a mess. Because I came into this church and I sat on the back row. And I didn't want to, I, I knew about church, see, I, but I thought, let me give the church one more chance. I sat on the back row, damaged, damaged. And for some crazy reason, you people love me. So a couple weeks later, I, I sat on the next to the back row. Then three rows up and then four rows. And 
Finally, she says, this is my seat now. She goes, you know, when I came to this church, I was ugly. But today, I'm willing to give you this testimony. I am beautiful. And what I think what she was saying in that moment is, I am sanctified. Jesus took all the hay, wood, and stubble of my life. Remember that old Gaither song? Something beautiful, something good. All my confusion he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But you made something beautiful of my life. Which is to say, I can take your brokenness, I can take your strife, I can take your addiction, and I can make it extraordinarily beautiful. Let me. And that's the prevenient grace of God moving us. That's the presence of God moving us to say, all right, I give it all up to the Lord. Everything in my life. So you thank God for saving you. You consecrate everything to him. You ask him to make everything in your life holy. And then you trust that he's done exactly that. And you, I just want you to give it a little attention to this. My friend Crawford Howe. He's my mentor. He's the guy that disciples your pastor. And Crawford House says this way to congregations he speaks to you. There's going to come a time when you recognize that Jesus is calling you to a deeper walk with him. And Jesus wants to cleanse you from everything that is not him. You're going to want more. And some of you are there right now. You just want more. Well, there is more. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, wants to purify you and empower you to live on a whole nother level for Him and for others. If you sense God is calling you this kind of deeper life, come down here, meet us at the altar, and we're going to have that time here after this service. I want you to come down, meet us at the altar, and let's pray this scat prayer together. Let's get anointed with oil, and let's ask the Holy Spirit to have His absolute way in our lives. I love Jesus desires to cleanse from you everything that is not him. There's lots of ways to put this. I, I got a friend named Rob Pokai. Some of you know Rob. Yeah, used to be an associate pastor here. But Rob talks about it like this. One day he said, I had a funeral. Mine. That's kind of interesting. Huh? Not many people say that. I went to a funeral. Mine. He says, I was, uh, I was headed down the road and I was talking to the Lord. And as I was talking to the Lord, I had to stop the car. I had tears in my eyes. I stopped the car. And I got out of my car, and I cried out to God. I said, Lord, I here today give you my desires. I give you my hopes. I give you my plans. I give you my possessions. I put them all on the altar. I die completely to them, and I want to live for you. He says, that was my funeral. Only then could the Holy Spirit have his total way in my life. Only then was the Spirit loosed into plans and into the future and into his money and into his sexuality. Only when he gave his life totally, only when he had his funeral. You say, is that biblical? Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Yes, it's biblical. Yes, it needs to happen to you. You need to have a funeral. Let's have one today. Let's just have, let's have a big old funeral down here. 
And to say, Lord, we want to die to ourselves and die to everything about us so that we can live to you. We want you to be released into every aspect of our lives. Second thing is this, the whole new reality is dynamic. Verse 4 says, you have not passed this way before. I'm going to tell you something. If you make this deal with the Holy Spirit, if you give him everything and he fills you to the very brim, you're about ready to enter to some things you know not of. Israel was ready to see their promise, but they had no idea what that promised land was going to look like. They had no idea what the experiences were going to be like once they entered it. And my personal testimony is right along that line. I had no idea what would happen 40 years ago this month when I made that deal with God. Lord, you can have me all. Uh-huh. I'm not holding anything back. You can just have it all. Because I've seen what happens when Matt Friedman takes control of any single sliver of his life. He can botch it up. By the way, anybody here say amen to that? Amen. Anytime I've taken control of any sliver of my life, I've messed it up. So, Lord, I'm done with myself. I'm done with my own planning. I'm done with my own lordship. I want to give it to you. I had no idea. But, but let me just give you a quick idea. I said no to the girlfriends of my life. Say, man, nah, this, uh, you, see, this doesn't sound risky to you, but it sounded terribly risky for me. And so, Lord, you get to choose my girlfriends from now on. In fact, I'm pretty sure I probably have Shouldn't have any girlfriends, so you just choose, you choose my wife. I know that doesn't sound like much to you. I didn't really trust God to do that. God, you choose. I had no idea what he was going to do. I was kind of scared, really. I said, you choose. You know better than I do. You know better than I. <laughs> I came out okay on that deal. You know what they say? I mean, we're from a gambling state, so we can say this and understand it. I don't think I want to say this as a Christian man, but I think you get it. I won the lottery on that one. And, and these kids, I won the lottery on the kids thing too. And the church, I won the lottery on the church thing. And the 32-year job, I won the lottery. Lord, I didn't want to do some things because I was scared that you might not make the best decision. Go ahead and trust him, y'all. He'll make a better decision than you could ever hope for. Amen. He'll make a better decision than anything you've got in mind. So the new realities is basically saying, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be new. It's going to be better than anything that I could have ever chosen. Third thing is this. Two important things before they go. Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Consecrate means Give it all up. Now, it meant something special to Israel. At that point, we suspect it meant stop having sex and wash yourselves and wash your clothes. I want you just temporarily here to get ready, consecrate, get ready to meet your destiny. But he says, I want you to fast from some things, basically from dirt and grime and sex. And by doing that, I want your total attention to be on me. For us... It means, hey, anything that you've got going in your life needs to be on the altar. Everything. And that includes sex. Includes your body. Includes your soul. Includes your plans. Includes your college. Includes your vocation. Everything, whatever you want, Lord, that's what I want. I no longer am in charge of my life. And the new realities is this. 
Consecrate yourself and anticipate his wonders. This is what he said. Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. Oh my goodness. He's going to do some extraordinary things when you give him everything. And this is what we found out. When this happens, while it's not theologically true, it sure seems to be the experience that most people say the bigger difference in my life was not at the point of my salvation. The bigger difference was when I said, Lord, you ha- there's no barriers between you and me now. You've got it all. And boy, did that ever make a difference. All of a sudden now, nothing is holding me back from the will and the wonders of God. And there you go. And the Lord says, oh, I can expand your life, man, like you never dreamed. The fourth thing is this. New discipleship leadership. The Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. Moses, great as man as he was, didn't make it in. So, new leadership. And part of this is, I think sometimes there needs to be new leadership. As you say now, I'm entirely sanctified. Now I'm totally His. Now I'm full of the Spirit. And I think what it means is this. You need to enter into intense relationships like never before because as you are in the promised land, you need to know that Jesus never promised that it was going to be easy. He doesn't say, hey, now you're in the promised land. Let us all take a huge siesta and just rest. If it means rest, the rest is hard work and spiritual warfare and God's going to bring you into it When you enter into a spirit-filled life, it's war. It's war. Because Satan doesn't like it. Satan doesn't want anybody to be wholly given to the Lord. Satan's going to come against you. But the truth is, you're going to get in some battles you never thought about being in before. I uh, I want to say this about discipleship leadership in 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 a person's life. In our denomination, we have uh, pastors, then district superintendents, and then the big guys and gals, as the case may be, general superintendents. They're the bishops. They're the popes. It don't get no higher than that in our denomination. Whoa, general superintendent. Wow. Pretty cool. Not long ago that uh, the general superintendents started hearing a message of discipleship in their own denomination. And the message is this. It doesn't matter who you are. You need to be under spiritual direction. You need to be under spiritual leadership. It doesn't matter if you're the Pope. It doesn't matter if you're the Bishop or the the General Superintendent or the District Superintendent or the Pastor. It doesn't matter who you are. You need spiritual direction. And so the Generals heard that and a couple of them said, that must mean me. So they said, who's going to disciple me? Everybody needs to be in discipleship. Who's going to disciple me? Said a couple of the general superintendents. And I appreciated their honesty because a couple of them got people. One of the guys I got in mind right now said, okay, I need help. So Jesus put on my mind, work in my imagination. Who is there out there that's further along than I am that can help me spiritually? He chose a layman. And as he chose that layman, he invited that layman into his life to give him spiritual direction and hold him accountable for his own life as a general superintendent. 
And I'm thinking to myself, it could, if it could happen to a general, should it happen for a pastor or a seminary professor like Matt Friedemann? And so I started thinking, yeah. So Lord, give me somebody. Who is there out there you would like to place in my life to give me spiritual direction and hold me accountable for some things? And the Lord did it. Gave me a guy named Crawford Howe. And Crawford and I were together every Friday. I call him up. He basically says, what's up? <laughs> That's a whole format. What's up? And so I start laying him on this thing or that thing or what the Lord's teaching me or this problem I've run into. And he counsels me. And he asks me questions. And sometimes he says, I don't know. Let's pray about it. But the whole point is, I've got someone that's pouring into my life. Everybody here needs someone like that in your life. Amen. You need to make it as formal as a relationship as you can. Me and Crawford, every Friday at 10 o'clock, he's getting a phone call from me. And every Friday, he pours into my life. Do you have someone like that? They had Moses for a while. Now it's Joshua. But everybody needs to have a personal Joshua. Not just a national Joshua. Not just a tribal Joshua. Not just a family Joshua. Everybody here needs someone like that in your life. I want you to know the pastor here feels it so important that I've got people like that in my life that I meet with in this congregation. They pour into my life. I try to pour into theirs. I've got two pastor meetings every week where they're pouring into my life and I'm pouring into theirs. But I also have not just a group, but someone that is my spiritual leader. And everybody here needs something like that. The fifth thing is this. There's battles coming. Joshua said, by this you will know that the living God is among you. He will assuredly dispossess from you the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Hivite, the Perizzite, the Girgashite, the Amorite, and the Jebusite. Guess what's going to happen, Joshua says. We're going to go over there. God's going to fight our battles, but we're going to have to get in there and fight some too. It's going to be okay. God is with us. But know this, spiritual warfare ahead. Let me tell you why. Satan hates this. Satan hates that there's going to be an Israel in the promised land. Now, this is going to be centuries from this moment, from this moment on the map today. But eventually, God in the flesh is going to launch from that nation into the world. And he's going to go to places like Rome. And Ethiopia, and England, and Martania. He's going to go to places like Mississippi. And it's going to launch from where? It's going to launch from the promised land. Can I tell you the truth? God wants you entirely given to Him, entirely consecrated, and entirely given to Him for this reason. Not so much for you, although he loves you, he wants you fully his. But for the people that he's going to reach through you. For the people he's going to reach through you. See, he wanted Israel as his special nation because I want to bless all the nations through you. He's done it as Jesus Christ has launched through the power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, from that holy land into all corners of this globe, and he wants to do it through you. And this is what it's going to look like for you. You're going to say today, Lord, I want to entirely consecrate 
my life to you, everything, and even especially the things I'm nervous about giving to you. Especially, Lord, I want to consecrate my money to you. I'm kind of scared. I'll go ahead and tell you right now, Lord, a little scared about what you're going to do with that money. But I'm going to give it to you anyway. And some of you youngsters, you say, okay, Lord, I want to give God everything, my addictions. Or I want to give God everything, my vocation. I'm going to quit saying, hey, let me go to the school counselor. Maybe they can tell me what I ought to go pursue for Jesus. Let me go straight to Jesus and say, Lord, I want you to speak into my life as to what you want me to do for the glory of God. Quit thinking, I know what I'm talented in. That's what I'll go into and start saying, what does Jesus want me to do? And I tell you what, if we start doing that kind of crazy thing, we can do it sexually. We can do it vocationally. We can do it monetarily. We can do it with our wife. We can do it with our husband. We can do it with our family. We give him everything. Hold nothing back. And if there's nothing between you and Jesus, just watch out. See what he won't do through your life. See. So this is what's going to happen. You're going to give him everything. He's going to launch from you into your business. He's going to launch from you. Jesus is going to launch from you into the business. He's going to launch from you into that classroom. He's going to launch from you into that terrible situation that's up there on the road. You're going to stop and you're going to speak into that situation simply by praying to God and incredible things are going to happen because of that prayer. And he's going to begin launching from you into all kinds of aspects of your community. Watch. Hey, listen. This is how C.S. Lewis puts it. How little people know who think that holiness is dull. He says, oh no. When one sees the real thing, it's irresistible. He says, if but 10% of the world had it, would not the whole globe be converted and happy by the year's end? What if 10% of day spring all of a sudden said, nothing between me and Jesus, I consecrate everything to him. What would happen in this community if there's nothing between us and God and he starts working his wonders in us and through us? Oh, that's the dream. That's the vision. This is what Wesley said one day. He says, give me a hundred preachers who hate nothing but sin and love nothing but God. I care not a straw whether they be laymen or clergy. Such alone will shake the gates of hell and establish the kingdom of heaven on earth. Give me just a hundred. We'll take not only England, we'll take the world. Do you suppose he could say that the day spring? Just give me 20, 25, 30. Give me a significant amount of day spring that will say, I want to be entirely consecrated, entirely made beautiful for him. And Friedman, you just watch to see what I won't do through with that church in this community. Come on up, Josh. I want us to sing a song. But as we're singing, I want people to come up here who want to do this very thing, who want to have their own Jordan River experience, want to go across and say, I'm now living exactly where God wants me to be. I'm living the entirely consecrated life. I'm living completely for him. I love him with all, 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 and all. I have released the spirit into every aspect of my life, including, especially those things that I kind of feel nervous giving to him. I mean, I don't know what he's going to do. If I give him that spousal choice, 
What might he do? If I give him my money, Lord knows. If, I, if I'm willing to say, hey, I'll go to Africa or Brazil or Eastern Europe or anywhere where you want to plant me, who knows where I'll put me? But God, anything I fear, I put that on the altar's will and just say, here I am. Take me all. Take me as I am. Everything. I've walked with you a while now and I see that I want more.